This is the Mercy Talk podcast. Mercy Talk is brought to you by Mercy Multiplied. We exist to encourage, equip, and empower both men and women with the same biblically-based principles we've seen work for over 35 years in our residential homes. If you want to find out more, head on over to mercymultiplied.com. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to Mercy Talk. This is one of your hosts, Melanie Wise, and I am joined with the amazing and wonderful Brooke Heels, everyone. Hey, Melanie. Hey. That was really nice. Thank you. <laughs> so glad you're here. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, if you have joined us for the last couple of shows that we did um, over the course of September, we we talked about the topic of suicide and, um, you know, it was... <laughs> always a heavy topic, but I, I feel like we were really able to kind of, I don't know, glean some just good information from one another, but also from the graduate that we had on. And we just thought, man, how do you, how do you jump off of this topic that is heavy and hard? And one of the things that we talked about was just this idea that, you know, this stuff is happening within the walls of our churches. If we think people who are really struggling are all the people outside or people who don't know Jesus, it's just not true. You can have Jesus in your life and still really struggle with things. And so we kind of thought, man, how can we jump off of this? And one of the really exciting things that you guys are going to hear more often here on Mercy Talk is a special guest that we have with us today being our founder and president, Nancy Alcorn. Nancy, thank you so much for being with us today. Hey, I love it. Hey, everybody out there. It's so good to be back with you guys. And Brooke is very modest, so I'm going to let everybody know she is Dr. Brooke. That's right. That's right. Say it right, With a doctorate in uh, counseling and family therapy. So I'm really proud to have such women of such uh, talent and education, Melanie in her own right, a youth pastor before she joined Mercy. And you've been with us how many years now? Oh my goodness. I was hired in 2012. So, so and you're still hired. That we're over eight years. So it's almost going on nine oh, almost. Word. But anyway, the, yeah. the, these are two of the best hires that Mercy ever made. And uh, there's, it's you know, recorded. It, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, they could use it against me if I ever decided. <laughs> that's to right. <laughs> that's right. Remember that time? Uh, no, that's but, so nice. But but seriously though, I I'm very honored to be back on the podcast. I miss connecting with you guys, but you know, it's also wonderful to know that you have people that do things just as good and even better than you, and a good leader will allow the stars to rise hmm. in their organizations. And um, that's what I have chosen to do, which is why I'm not on the podcast as much as I used to be. But I know that you guys have gained so much from these two. And I just wanted to take a moment on the front end to give them a shout out just for the great job they're doing. Wow. That was not in the script, everyone. We did not that's write true. that for <laughs> Thank that's you, true. Nancy. That's really true. Nice. And that's I am nice. known for going off script. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, we um, are very excited to have you on and um, hope to have Nancy guest hosting, I guess, with us yeah. on the podcast more and more uh, in the months to come. So we, man, when we think, okay, Nancy's going to come on the show, there's a million things we could talk about. What do we want to focus in on today? And again, just kind of jumping off where we were last month in the podcast, we just thought, what a great time for maybe Nancy to be able to share her own personal experience of what we were what we were talking about, that you can have Jesus in your life, you can be a follower of Christ, you can be dedicated, committed in your walk with the Lord, you can be running a ministry and still have 
days of struggle and have mo- seasons of struggle. And so we know that you have a really, really powerful story and testimony of how that looked um, for you. And so um, I'm just really excited about where we're headed today. Yeah. No, I mean, me too, especially jumping off of that, of what we talked about, because I think it's so easy to assume, you know, especially, you know, Nancy, with obviously what we do here is really important, impactful work and God's just really aligned every step. But this idea that while I'm in ministry or what we know, like you hear from the Lord so clearly, well, then that means Nancy must never struggle or right. leaders must never struggle, you know, um, or this idea that we arrive exactly. <laughs> at some point we get, we get holy enough That's right. <laughs> that we're good and that there are no struggles. And so I'm just really excited. You're willing to do this. You've always been so open about your story, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, such a huge impact, honestly, for everybody who doesn't know. So all of our um, applicants for our residential program and even for our outpatient now, they uh, read your story. And mm-hmm. it's and it's so important that they understand you to understand how, you know, God brought mercy to be. Yeah. Would you mind just sharing a little bit kind of how all of this works, your story, and then eventually even go into counseling yourself, you know? Sure. Well, I will say that um, I was... I guess it was in 2001, in June of 2001, when my dad passed away really fairly quickly at age 79. It was just a real jolt to our family, and I wasn't necessarily that close to my dad. I was the middle kid of seven kids, and but it just caught me. So, I was 17 years at that point into leading an international ministry, and uh, what started as a one one home place in 1983 had grown to an international ministry with multiple locations. And I'm 17 years into it. My dad passed this way. And it was about two or three weeks later, I was scheduled to be at the Hillsong Conference in Sydney, Austria, which I did go to. And I remember just the the whole whole time I was there, it felt like I really wasn't there. And it's a powerful conference Mm. for anybody that's ever gone. But it just seemed like I remember having, I can't really necessarily compare it, but I think God showed me that I was having a panic attack mm-hmm. right in the middle of this amazing concert that was going on. And it was like, here I was there, but not really there. And it, it just felt very heavy and it felt very oppressive. And I just could that's not who, me, but it just kind of things started surfacing. And so I struggled pretty strongly with that. For probably, I want to say maybe um, six to eight months, and I was just a mess. I mean, stu- but let me just say this to you guys: You go, well, how come you were so good for seventeen years, and then all of a sudden this stuff starts coming up? I think a lot of my grieving was not over what I was going to miss that me and my dad had, but it was a lot of grief over what we never had. Mm-hmm. My dad was a hard worker. I got my work ethic from him. He was a very hard worker, worked two jobs to, uh, you know, feed all of his kids and take care of a farm and just all the stuff he did. So I didn't really see him that much, but I remember I always had a heart for my dad because I won't go into all the details, but I had a little sister that was three and a half years old and she literally got crushed to death in my dad's lap as my mother watched on an an accident that happened on our farm. And so... I always had a heart for my dad because I know that he never got over that. Mm -hmm. Like I could see sadness in his eyes Mm -hmm. up until the day he passed away. He blamed himself for what happened. I won't go into the details, but it was just a very, you know, it was, it, it was something that happened as a result of 
maybe some things that should have been taken care of that weren't. And he blamed himself. And so I always had a heart for my dad because I knew that he was in pain and hurting. And I remember years passed by and my sister that's a year younger than me had a little girl. And when she was about three years old, I'd catch my dad staring at her. Mm-hmm. And so one day I said to him, I said, cause she did, she looked just like my little sister that got killed. And I said, you, I said, you're staring at Janet because she looks just like Beverly. And he said, yes. Hmm. And he teared up. And that would have been so many years later, you know. So when my dad passed away in 2001, I just all this stuff started coming to the surface of just. And what I realized is I I felt like when I became a Christian in 1972 and I started learning about spiritual things, I felt like God showed me that my dad had a spirit of grief because yeah. I could see the sadness in his eyes. And I got a hold of, you know, the power of renewing my mind to God's word, the power of confessing the word over my life and, and, and really truly entered into the joy of my salvation. So what I didn't realize is things that I thought I had dealt with. Mm-hmm. I had really just pushed it down. Mm-hmm. And I think it was at my dad's funeral somewhere around the time, maybe even at my dad's burial. He was, he was World War II pilot. So they had all the whole military graveside. It was just beautiful, but very emotional. And it seems like it was a, during that time that I realized, wait a minute. I've always felt so bad for my dad that he had a, there's a difference between grieving, mm-hmm, right? Because that's a process you go through when you lose somebody. But I realized that I myself had a spirit of grief, mm. and I I didn't actually say that out loud at that time. But as I went through the experience in Australia, and then I got back home and was just trying to help people. So what I did is I just buried myself deeper in helping other people. Right. Mm-hmm. And God was trying to get me to go. Wait a minute. What yeah. about you? And guys, it's important to have good friends in your life who will who will call you out, call you up, whatever you need. <laughs> yep. And I had a friend like that who had been to Mercy, had spoken here very highly, uh, what's the word, very, like on a very high scale in her yeah. own profession, mm-hmm. had risen to the top, mm-hmm. had great respect for her. She calls me up one day and she said, look, I see all this that you've done. I see all these buildings paid for, all these girls coming and getting help, all the staff you have. I see you're helping all these other people, but who's going to help you? She goes, you're a mess. Hmm. <laughs> that and is a good, good friend. Isn't that a good friend? Yes. <laughs> and I go, I am, you know, I started crying. <laughs> I knew I was, but I yeah. never had anybody say that to me. Yeah. But I will tell you what she did. She, she called me up and she goes, she lives in Florida. So she called me from Florida. She goes, are you in your office? Yes. By yourself. Yes. What time is it? Tell her uh, what time it was. And she said, well, you have exactly 24 hours to call me back here. Write these five names down, five phone numbers. And, and at first I'm thinking she's given me five names and phone numbers of wealthy donors that I can call and see if they want to help support. Another yeah. You're getting home. excited. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And so I wrote their names and numbers down very eagerly, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and then she goes, okay, I, I've done my homework and I just gave you five top Christian counselors in the Nashville area. And you have exactly 24 hours to call me back and tell me that you've made an appointment mm-hmm. with one of them. I would love to say that immediately I'm like, okay, this is God and I need to do it. <laughs> so moved. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I wasn't, I was a little <laughs> bit ticked at the audacity of her. And on the other hand, I was a little bit convicted that she was right. So for the next two hour, uh, 23 hours and 45 minutes, <laughs> I spent most of that time when I wasn't asleep 
thinking about the what ifs and pride can take you to a lot of what ifs. What, what if people find out I'm going to counsel and I'm leading a, mm-hmm. a major minister? Well, big deal. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was like God said, well, what if people find out that you are real and transparent and that I could actually use you on the other side of what I'm getting ready to do with you. So anyhow, God meets you where you are. The bottom line is I was, ex- I, I would have never admitted it, but I will admit it today because I know it's true. It's very prideful. Mm-hmm. I cared about what people were going to think. And so I finally worked out after 23 hours and 45 minutes of all the what ifs or what are people going to think or what about this or what about that, that Licensed counselors are bound, as you would know, Brooke, by laws of confidentiality. (laughs) So I finally worked out, hey, I can sneak over there and do a few visits and get a check it off my list with my friends so that I'm good. And then we're done with it. And nobody will ever know because I'm going to tell anybody and she's not going to tell anybody. Mm -hmm. That's right. So that so that's when I say God will meet you where you are. He met me in my prideful place. And my, I will now say, insecure place of what are people going to think. It was the best decision that I've ever made. What I thought was going to be two or three times ended up being seven years <laughs> of almost every week. I'd miss a week every now and then traveling or whatever. But within a month of going just four times, I gathered my staff that were with me at that time. I gathered my staff together and I cried and I told them what I was going through, what I was doing. I started at my speaking engagements telling people that I was in counseling now. I'm in counseling right now. Mm -hmm. So if you're out there and you feel like there's something that's not quite right, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm I'm giving you permission to get help. Mm. I don't care if you're the pastor of the church. Yeah. I'm the leader of a ministry, and I'm here to tell you that I'm in counseling right now weekly. And yeah. God is helping me deal with a whole another layer of stuff that did not come to the surface until my dad passed away. And I'm convinced that God brings things to the surface whenever he's ready mm-hmm. for you and him to deal with it and work it out together. And I could have never gotten through that without. Sometimes you can get through stuff just you and God. Mm-hmm. And I'm all about that if you can do it. But in my case, God wanted to put a finger on the pride. He wanted me to go through that process. And I ended up writing a a book called Mission of Mercy. It's available on our website. And it tells us, it's all the stuff that I I tell people, if you want to know the dirt on me, it starts in my childhood. (laughs) It goes all the way through. But I tell the story of how, you know, basically I wrote the book because I wanted to give people permission to reach out for help, but I, and to not feel like that it meant that anything was wrong with mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And I also okay. wanted to get across the message that it is okay not to be okay. Because when God puts his finger on something in our lives, it's because he's ready to deal with it. And the thing that broke my heart all those years for my dad, when I went to counseling, I found out, mm-hmm. no, you did, you never went through the grieving process. Mm-hmm. You confessed away. And the joy of the Lord that you received at salvation helped you, you know, overcome so much. So that was sort of like the way I was wired. But man, when I had to stop and realize that spirit that I saw in my dad is also in me. Hmm. And so I had to get delivered from a spirit of grief that I had stuffed way down deep inside of me. And without going into all the details, there were a whole lot of other losses of very close people in my life. Um, that just added to that. Mm-hmm. And so when I got my staff together and told them I was going through counseling, I noticed something started changing. Y'all are going to laugh at this now, but 
back then, I thought I was so open and transparent and so approachable. And you know what I found out when I started telling my staff, my, I'm going to go into counseling. I'm messed up. I need help. I'm hurting because of this, this, this. So all of a sudden, when I got real with them, they started getting real with mm-hmm. me. People started knocking on my door. One of our staff, she's no longer with us. So it's many years ago. Nobody will know who I'm talking about. But one of our staff came and confessed to me that one night she went out with her friends and had some wine and she got stopped and got a DUI. And she was scared to death to tell me that because she thought she would get fired. And she thought, I mean, it happened in her past, but she was afraid it was going to show up some at some point. So anyway, people just started coming and confessing to me this thing and that thing and that thing and this thing. And all of a sudden I will realize, man, because I was willing to open up and share my story and my journey of needing healing, even as the leader of a ministry, it started changing the whole culture mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. mercy to where people would come and tell me things and I wouldn't, I wouldn't dog them out. I'd pray with them. I'd go, listen, you know what? God loves you and he's not mad at you because that happened to you. I'm not mad at you because that happened to you. Is it a current issue? No, I've resolved it. Great. And if it is a current issue, let's, let me help you deal with it or let's get help for you to be able to deal with it. Yeah. So, so that's what happened, you guys. And it was just amazing. And, it became more and more apparent to, I mean, the culture changed immensely starting at that point, but it continued to change going forward because there was a whole different mm-hmm. feel. And I had staff members come and tell me they had always been scared of me. Uh, they found me very unapproachable. It was like the enemy had had me totally lied to. The lie, We talk about replacing lies with right. truth. I had my own lies, I believed. I believed I was this most amazing leader who was so approachable and nobody was afraid of me. Everybody was afraid of me and I was so unapproachable mm-hmm. and it broke my heart when I found that out. Yeah. But I was so glad I found it out because mm-hmm. then it's like, okay, we can change this. We can turn the tide. And I want to say this one more thing and then I'll let y'all get a few words in edgewise. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. But the one Good. more thing I want to say is leaders, if you're out there, you know what I realized, I realized now that If I would not, I honestly believe that if I would not have started going to counseling and obeyed God to go through that entire process, I do not believe I would still be the leader of mercy. I believe that someone would have replaced me because I believe I would have had some kind Mm -hmm. of either moral breakdown or some kind of nervous breakdown or whatever. Mm -hmm. So we've got to be willing to let God work in us both the will and to do his good pleasure. And I believe, you know, it it was so amazing to me because all these years I've encouraged girls that graduate from mercy, tell your stories because they'll give other people hope. And all of a sudden God's challenging me now with the same thing. Mm -hmm. Tell your story. Mm -hmm. It will give other people hope. So, so I would say if you're out there and you're leading anything, even if it's a girl scout trip, if you're leading (laughs) anything and you have, there's stuff you need to deal with. I would say to you, please deal with it. Because if you don't deal with your issues, mm-hmm. at some point, your issues will deal with you. And I am so grateful to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and my Father God, that He allowed me to stay at my post while I was getting help. I just think about rehab and how much they charge for you to go to rehab. It is like a college tuition and this place is completely free of charge. And it's incredible that what you get here and the counseling you get and the the books that you get to read and the food that you're served and just everything, you don't have to worry about a penny. Um, because it's just free. That's a big deal to a lot of people. And yes, there is a waiting list, but it's worth every second of it. Mercy Multiplied is a free of charge residential program 
and we want to help. Please visit mercymultiplied.com today for more information. And remember, there is no problem too big or too small for God. There's like a hundred good points in there that I don't even know where I'm in. There's just so many things that you said that had me thinking so many different things just about. um, But I, I would say like your word of encouragement to leaders, it was making me think of a I don't know why this quote always comes up for me, but I once heard um, Craig Rochelle teaching um, just to a group of leaders, and he said, you know, your people will respect you or will admire you for your strengths, but they'll connect with you and your weaknesses. Ooh, that's And good. I've never forgotten that. I What I love is like, that's literally the story that you just told, yep. is that there may have been this kind of respect and maybe like you said, fear of you because you were a leader. But when you were able to show like your humanity and like, you know what, I'm struggling, then all of a sudden there was a connection that happened with your whole team. And so I just love, and, and I don't know, you know, we teach, we do these empower workshops and we've usually got a room full of leaders in mm-hmm. the room. And it's just something that we're so incredibly passionate about is saying every last one of us are in process. There's not a single one of us. I think this is what you said too, just like we're, nobody's done. No one's, no one's graduated. No one has arrived. And so if you, as the leader of an organization or a church, if you're a pastor, if you can show people it's okay to still be in process, because guess what? I am too. Like you have no idea what that's going to open up within your church. I, I hear a lot of pastors say, I wish people in my church were more authentic and vulnerable. And I'm like, well, it starts on the stage. You know, <laughs> like, good. are you, yeah, are you, right. are you setting that tone and that atmosphere? So I think that story is just such a perfect example of that. Um, but there really are so many different directions we could go with that. I guess I would say, and I feel like you did kind of speak to this, you know, but there is such, there is still such a stigma. I think it's, I think it's lessening and lessening within the church, but still that like, I still find myself in conversations with people at my church where this like conversation about going to get professional help and counseling still has this thing attached to it that it's like, man, that's when you are really messed up, you know? And so I, I I know that you shared a little bit about what it was for you. There was that uh, that pride piece. Um, I mean, are there other things that you think are very common within the Christ, within Christian circles of people who are like, I have Jesus, I should be okay, and there's that stigma attached to going to get professional help. I think uh, I think that I was one of these people that I'm about to speak of before my own personal experience. Mm-hmm. I believe that I was, I I didn't know I did until after, but I believe that God showed me in hindsight that I had a judgment toward people who mm-hmm. had to go, that I myself viewed as, mm-hmm. as weakness. Mm-hmm. When in reality, it was, it was pride in me that would even think that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I know, and we're not obviously aren't calling anyone out, but you've, you know, been in the ministry a long time and, you know, a lot of people have been in the ministry. And I love that you pointed out, you know, basically mercy would have continued because that's mm-hmm. the Lord's ministry, but you may not have been able to be a piece of it. And we've, how many people have we seen, like you said, removed from their post because they're not willing right. to do the thing, you yeah. know, but I worked with somebody and this was not, this was just a pastor. And I remember his 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 resistance to going to counseling was he's like well he said um, I always felt like I was set apart 
And I was like, oh, "Oh, no. Nope. I was like, you are for Jesus. But like, you know, and it was, but, and he was saying this honestly from like a humble, he was like, I I literally, that was my thought. Well, if, if God has given me this anointing to minister to people, then I must be set apart and and which ties into we all have pride mm-hmm. it's just whichever one and for pastors yeah. as a preacher's kid i feel like mm-hmm. that's potentially you know yeah. something that you know people think and they yeah. maybe don't even realize they do i don't know and i'm like i'm any of us sitting around this table can just testify to how amazing counseling is i'm like oh, right it's so yeah. good I, I there's nothing i love to say more from a stage especially at a church or something like that and like please it's awesome like yeah. it's so great there's and i love too in your story just about how and i know this is something you get very passionate about brooke of just how you said i had done i had prayed and i had renewed my mind and i had right. done that spiritual piece that is so vitally important there was still a piece that was missing that you used professional help to get and those two things together right brought you, you to do that both. place of freedom so i know brooke you can oh my gosh yeah you have to do both it's not yeah. one or the other yeah and i remember the first probably two sessions mm-hmm. my assignment was to like really write and share my entire story, every little detail that I could think of. And I think it was about the third or fourth session that my counselor said to me, Nancy, here's what you don't understand. Any person on the planet that had experienced all of this that you've experienced from your childhood on up would would be right in the same mm-hmm. position that you are in. Yeah. Like you are not super mm-hmm. superhuman. That's right. right. That's and you... There's no way that you could not feel the way that you do and have these issues that you're now struggling with based on A, B, C, and one, two, three mm-hmm. that I had told her about. Mm-hmm. So that's something, too, to know that there's no such thing as a perfect person. Right. And that we need to give grace to one another. But also in that season, I had to give a lot of grace to myself mm-hmm. to be okay, not to be okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's really good. Yeah. And the fact that I was willing to just say it's okay not to be okay made me feel like I was okay. That's right. Yeah. It removes that shame. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And that's a big, that's one of the other things I meant mm-hmm. to say too. There, to, For me, there was a lot of shame and uh, definitely the pride piece I already covered. But to me, there was a lot of shame in all the things that had happened in my childhood. And there was the shame of having stuffed it all, never dealt with it, never talked mm-hmm. about it, you know. Mm-hmm. And that basically was like my counselor saying, there's no human that could get through all this without help. Mm-hmm. And God, you know, had a, he, when he was ready, he brought these things to the surface. That's right. And that's the thing that I think we need to challenge people with. You know, when we're feeling emotional pain and going through that kind of loss and grief and stuff. If we're not careful, we'll be tempted to get in a, maybe a a relationship that's not good. That would be uh, to fill that void or to fill it with some kind of drug or substance abuse or something like, no, we need to let the Holy spirit pinpoint those areas and, and invite Jesus in to bring the healing because he is the only one who can heal Mm -hmm. a broken heart. Mm -hmm. And deliver a person of grief and I remember just we didn't have to pray any major prayer it was just like in the name of Jesus I I command the spirit of grief to go it will no longer roll over Nancy it will no longer cause her to be heavy to cause her to you know like Mm -hmm. sad when I'd be my 
I would find myself, I didn't even realize I'd done it until I was going to counseling. I would find myself, I couldn't just sit still. Mm-hmm. I had to be busy all the time, doing, 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 mm-hmm. talking, 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 helping, helping, helping. And I didn't realize that I was, that was like my substance abuse. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. No, that yeah. was the, the way you cope or make it, yeah, yeah hold it down. And I, I need mean, to, I had a need to be needed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Absolutely. I didn't know that. And right. it was because I wasn't allowing. Right. Everything to be healed inside of me. Well, and what you really pointed out is, I mean, the Lord can point those things out, but when you have somebody who's relatively objective walking alongside you in it, they're like, hey, have you ever noticed this pattern? And usually we're like, oh, <laughs> yes, that makes it. I mean, that's the my favorite, you know, part about counseling. And even, you know, you mentioned like with the shame piece, uh, I've recently just worked with some people that think. I shouldn't be struggling with this because I didn't have a lot of what, you know, I call Mm -hmm. like big T trauma, you know, and they don't want to dishonor their family because like I had a good family. I shouldn't be sad. And so then they won't deal with it because Mm -hmm. they don't want to. And so we talk about like, hey, we all have feelings and Mm -hmm. we have experiences and we've viewed things and seen things and, and had things communicated to us that hurt. And if you just stuff that down, like, but how much easier is that to work on, you know, and just to be free from, but some people don't even think they deserve to deal with their stuff because it wasn't what we would all call like this super traumatic thing. And we, you know, we see that, right. Girls are like, I don't know that I'm bad enough to come Mm -hmm. to mercy. And we're like, do you want to be set free? Are you free? No. Do you want to be free? Yes. Well then you can come to mercy. (laughs) Like that's, you know, that's really it. So what she's saying is if you have a little, uh, a spot of cancer on your arm, you don't go, well, it's not really that big yet. I need to wait till I have it over my entire arm before I come again. That's right. That's right. So nip it in the bud, people. You don't have to become like a mainline heroin addict, you know, before you reach out for help if you're starting to, you know, abuse substances or whatever your deal may be. Or even an eating disorder. Don't wait till it gets so out of control. Mm That's that, right. You know, whatever the issue is, whatever mm-hmm. the problem is, Jesus is the answer. Yeah. He will meet you where you are, but don't, don't let it spin out of control. Like don't wait till it gets so bad. Like Brooke That's said. Right. Well, so just to switch gears just a little bit, how do you feel like, like kind of what are the things that did change for you after counseling and did it impact your relationships either like with God, with other people? I mean, obviously you shared how it changed your staff, which was incredibly mm-hmm. important. Um, but what about just kind of your relationship with the Lord and other, your kind of personal friendships? Um, it changed all of those things. Yeah. And even my speaking style changed in that I, I became very bold. Oh, yeah. And, sp- uh, you know, sometimes in front of thousands of people, challenging them and telling the story and challenging them. Mm-hmm. If you got something in your life that you need to deal with, deal with it. Mm-hmm. That's good. You know, so. I think it's continuing to help people to this very day, not just my story, but the culture that we have at Mercy as a team. We actually do, I feel, relate to each other in a very real way. Mm -hmm. And I see among you guys and my other top leaders, I see how y'all rally around one another when somebody's hurting. And, you know, it's 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 real. I mean, it's it's tangible. It's real. Mm -hmm. It's so cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love. I love that because it's like we're all in this together. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Even when you just started talking, I was thinking, you know, 
how we have a place where it's, and even when we do interviews with people, I'm like, we create a space where it's safe for you to be honest and tell us what you need. And so if you choose not to do that, that's because you chose not to do it. Not because we don't create that environment. We're just really passionate. And that did, I mean, that all started from Mm -hmm. when you chose to, I mean, that all, Mm -hmm. what I'm communicating to people today is because of what you did, Mm -hmm. you know, those years ago and doing counseling. And, And that's one of the reasons I love being here is because that's not always the case. A lot of nonprofits, you know, you can't be honest and you can't say, hey, I'm not OK because we just need everybody to be OK because we don't have time for you not to be OK. And we don't do that. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. that's really good. Well, let me tell you one one more thing that's kind of cool. I mentioned the year 2001 in June. That's mm-hmm. when my dad passed away. And that's where all this started going forward with me, you know. Well, interestingly enough. It was June of 2001. In fact, it was happening the day that I buried my dad, that we were moving into mm-hmm. our current three-story office building, which is now our international headquarters here in Nashville. Wow. And if you think about what's happened since 2001, what God showed me is that because you were willing to go and get help, not the explosion of growth in you created an explosion of growth in Mercy as an organization to where homes started popping up internationally and new locations in um, United States and other uh, books getting translated, uh, outreach department that Melanie leads now and the Keys to Freedom and the studies that have gone and are now spreading across Europe and in other nations around the world. I, I do think as you were talking, I was just was thinking, what if, just what if you hadn't made that one decision, that one decision to go get help and just what would be the story today? Like, where would we be? Would we, would you and I be here, Brooke? Yeah. Like, would, would I you be here? Be here Nancy? I don't think so. Yeah. Like you were saying, you don't know if you'd still be at your post. We believe that mercy does belong to the Lord and he would have covered this in whatever way he saw fit. I just, it just makes me wonder. And I know like one of my favorite Nancy Alcorn quotes is who's on the other side of your obedience. And so I'm just like, even though this specific podcast wasn't supposedly like geared towards leaders, that's what I just kind of keep going to in my heart. Listening to you speak is like, I hope that there are leaders who hear this, whether, and you know what? Well, if if you lead in your home, Christian, you're a leader. Yeah. Like you're, you're you're leading. And so to know that, and and one of the things we always say is you give away what you carry, you give away what you carry. So mm-hmm. if you're trying to give people, whether that's your family or people that you're leading at work or in your church, if you're trying to give away something to them, freedom, life, you know, abundant life, those types of things, but you don't carry it, you're not going to get very far. And right. so I think what you're describing is that you, the Lord put his finger on some things that he was like, I want you to carry this more fully. And then you started speaking more boldly because you were carrying something new right. yeah. and you had something to give away that yeah. maybe you didn't have before. And so I just, I hope and pray that if there are leaders listening to this, or maybe um if you're like, I know some people that I should share this with. Do it, please. You know, that that I hope that this is a real encouragement for them in hearing you just share your story and the testimony on the other side of that to say, man, maybe it's actually worth it for me to do this. Maybe it's worth it for me to reach out and ask for help. Yes. And I will say this to all of our listeners. Um, I, it was, it was a very emotional book for me to write because number one, it was all the stuff that I told God I was never going to share. And secondly, I felt like the Lord showed me that um, he, it was very important for me to write the story. So it was difficult to write out because I relived everything I was writing about, but it, but there was a grace on me to be able to do it because of the healing that I'd received. So if you're out there and you, you feel something about this book, it's called mission of mercy. It's on our website. And 
you know, if you could afford to buy it, all the proceeds go right back into Mercy. None of them come to me. They help us continue to take young women in free of charge. But if you're out there and you need this book and you go, I don't, it's COVID, man. I haven't, I don't have a job right now. <laughs> That's a few You know, yeah. it's cray cray election year, whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, you, you email, uh, whatever email. You can Melody email gives outreach you. at mercymultiplied.com. Mm-hmm. And if, and if you need that book and want that book and you can't buy it, we will gift it to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. And don't be afraid or ashamed of saying, hey, I don't have the money to pay for this right now. We all understand 2020, mm-hmm. or yeah, we, we think we do. We probably <laughs> <Yeah>. don't. <laughs> I think we have a new T-shirt. It's just going to say it's COVID, man. <laughs> that's, that's We're always looking for new ones. And I like might, that. And you might want to put underneath that, or election year, question cray, mark. That's right, yeah. Or would you say cray-cray election cray, year? Yeah. That's good. Well, Nancy, thank you so much for being here, for sharing what you share, for doing what you did, mm-hmm. for just the authority that you carry. We all are just such so blessed by it, honestly, on a daily basis to be here to work at Mercy. And then hopefully, and we know everyone else is blessed too, just that it gets to, it truly is an outreach mm-hmm. and goes out to just thousands and thousands of people, not just those in our residential homes. So thank you so much mm-hmm. for being here. Thank you for allowing me to be. And I will say to our audience, thank you for listening and If you know someone that you really feel like would be blessed by this uh, podcast, please share it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Thanks so much. And we'll see you guys next week. We're so glad you joined us today. We'd love for you to head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. You can also find previous episodes there. Mercy Multiplied is a nonprofit organization completely funded by our donors. We're incredibly grateful and couldn't do what we do without them. If you want to find out more how you can partner with us financially, head over to mercymultiplied.com.